0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We greatly appreciate your support. But before we get started, I wanted to tell you about a success story. I wanted to tell you about my friend, Carl up in new Boston, Michigan. He listens to our pods every week. And he heard me talking about how I might be able to help him out. So he hit me up over at save with Conrad.com. He just closed last month and he left us a five-star review. And he had this to say, not only did we save over a hundred thousand dollars on our mortgage by removing several years off of it. He also saved us a few months of payments and follow up. Conrad and Steve are super helpful when I had additional questions. You can't go wrong here with save with Conrad. Definitely worth the call to understand what your savings could be. Take Carl's word for it. He saved more than a hundred grand. What have you got to lose? Be like Carl, go to savewithconrad.com right now and find out how much money you can save for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Why not you? Why not now? Go to SaveWithConrad.com and find out how much money you can save for free. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get a quick quote right now thank me later and you'll be glad you did. SaveWithConrad.com There's no better time to say I love you and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say, I hate StevenSinger.com, And you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step. Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That is no hassle, no risk expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for more than two decades, but recently he's kicked up everything a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home? It's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com Fast, free, and safe shipping Steven Singer Jewelers That's IHateStevenSinger.com
1: Welcome to something to wrestle with. Welcome to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know that's not a rib. She pooted. it. She pooed it. What a rib. No, you have a beat. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor ninu, and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor ninu, and innuendo. And was he there?
0: I was there. Say something I don't give a shit.
1: I ain't scared I ain't scared of shit. Fuck him. you, Bruce. Ah look! You, you. take cheese. the cheese. double cheeseburger. You take the grape. Double cheeseburger. Salad.
0: Double onion, motherfucker. Uh, You're nothing but an egg-sucking dog. Oh, they're on your Google machine. Goddamn, kid. Goddamn it. What the hell's show you got there? I need more. Ooh <sighs> <sighs> yeah. What say you, Ronald?
1: And now, something to wrestle with. Con Bruce Richard. Eek the moose most now.
0: Charms good night. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. let go. hey, hey, it's Swap. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening do to Something wrestle. to Wrestle With man, Bruce, Bridge. Chris, what's going Welcome on, man? How are you? I'm living in the past. <laughs> How are you? Something well, we're all living with. in the past today because that's what we do here Ding on it. Something Bruce to Wrestle. Pritchard. And I'm so excited to be here with you. We're talking about Great American Bash 2005, 15 years ago in your Wayback Machine. And, uh,
1: I got to tell minute. you, wait, 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 wait. We're going to talk Conrad. Okay. I'm ready. You and I are going to talk. We're, we started a conversation off air. Yes. I was telling you about shit. Yes. And then, then I said, you know, fuck it, man, let's just go. And then you said, Hey, hey it's Conrad Thompson. And that's what he does to me, folks. He just, he just starts. Well, because I, I, because you know, I've got, limited time. And and when I say, okay, let's go. Your motherfucking ass is ready to go. Yes. And so it's like, I say, let's go. And the next word's out of his mouth is, "Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson. And so anyway,
0: I'm just ready for that phone to go off at any minute. And you're like, I got to go rewrite something. I'll be right back. What are you ready for? I'm fine, but I'm ready for your phone to go off at any moment. And you say, I got to go rewrite something. I'll be
1: right back. Speaking of working really hard, I know a lot of our listeners
0: are essential workers. You're out there busting your butt to make sure the world keeps turning during these tough times. And we thank you for that. But if you've got a nagging knee or back shoulder, something like that, it can make every day feel like a 24 hour shift. So if you want to feel relief fast, I recommend CBDMD's powerful pain fighting topicals. And let me tell you, these guys are just like me and you, they're big wrestling fans In fact, CBDMD started advertising with me on Grilling JR over a year ago, and it started like any other advertiser here on the show. But CBDMD has become a regular part of my life. It's become a part of my family life, and I even recommend it to my friends. And before I knew it, I guess I was like the uh, unofficial CBDMD ambassador of sorts. And I should mention all of this stuff happened because CBDMD really worked for me, and I saw it working for others. This has been a really big deal that has helped me and my family. You know, I've mentioned before that I've got an old knee injury. Megan's had surgery on one of her knees. My mom has a, uh, a sore elbow, and my sister just had shoulder surgery. Listen, as you get older, things start to happen, and you need a little relief. This has really worked for us, and I believe it's because of the way CBDMD handles their business. Here's what we're talking about. Unparalleled manufacturing. Unparalleled manufacturing. Rigorous third-party testing, clear and honest information on their website, incredible customer service. And by the way, they're a publicly traded company, which means they're held to higher standards. Listen, if you have questions before you buy, CBDMD encourages you to call their customer service line. They encourage you to talk to your doctor, do your own research. This isn't some gimmick company like CBDRS or something like that. But you won't know how much this stuff can make a difference in your life until you actually try it. That's what I did. And the best way to do that, well, is to head over to cbdmd.com right now and use our promo code DUT. You heard me. DUPED. That's D-O-O-T at checkout, and you'll get 25% off your entire order. I told you there, listeners and big wrestling fans. It's kind of crazy. They've already come up with some of the best prices out there amongst the legitimate brands. And this twenty five percent offer, well, it just blows everyone out of the water. So one more time, that's CBDMD.com, and you'll get twenty five percent off of superior but CBD oil products by using promo code DUTE at checkout. Is that that's cbdmd dot like, Anyway, we were the talking
1: the curtain call and I told of you the CBD that I, industry. I recently I told you the rest got, the got Paul Bosch. We Mosh thank them for
0: sponsoring his the podcast.
1: Personal library in his office in his home and in our person. I, I just received that and it was shipped to my house. Eighty five hundred pounds. Four stu- and
0: a half tons or four and a quarter tons. My goodness, that's a lot of stuff, bro. Of stuff.
1: Of of pictures, of statues, of last will and testaments. Of- know,
0: how big's your goddamn house where you can just casually store over four tons of shit? Is that four tons? Well, yeah, it's 2,000 pounds is a ton. So yeah, you've got like a diesel truck of Paul Bosch's shit.
1: I got a lot of it. But but going through it, I was, you know, and so we'll just continue. Because I think some of our listeners might be interested in this.
0: Oh, I know they are.
1: But I found a 19, a book from 1913 on Carl Gotch. I have, I've got, uh ring magazines from 1930s. And this shit's like in mint condition damn near. I've got the original pictures that that Paul took of the high chief Peter Maivia Um from the backside of all of his tattoos that adorned adorned his body. Um it is absolutely just going through and seeing my handwriting on things. Mm and knowing you know what what certain things really were and then going going through and finding um like pieces of uh maui i think i'm saying that the right way uh in australia of of green stone i thought it was jade but then i found a whole book on this shit on this thing uh and in the in, in the, and like in the middle of the damn thing you you come across a, a piece of ivory yes ivory from the early 40s and stuff from the, the 30s and 40s hand carved um just incredible it's it's absolutely um insane and i probably haven't even put a dent in a quarter of it
0: what are you going to do with it all
1: I don't know, and and here's here's like the cool thing, man. Paul Paul was in World War Two, and he was an infantry man, and he's got like all these Purple Hearts. I have all of his Purple Hearts, all of his awards in in the military. He was the most decorated professional wrestler of all time. Um, but I have his handwritten notes of battle battle plans each day, like his. I think he was a corporal, uh, and he would or a lieutenant. I don't know. The hell he was. He was in the. Why did
0: his family want to get rid of all that? I mean, I,
1: I can see where there's no one left. Oh, there's no one left. His his son, uh, Joey, is uh, is blind, and uh, he, you know, there's. They wanted it to go somewhere where it would be appreciated and not just you know it could have all it could have all gone into a dumpster but i wanted to make sure that you know joey i, I dude i've got his his cards i think we go back to 1977 all the way through the last wwe show that we did him the way that you know the booking books and i've shown you these before yeah but i got the completed set now
0: but not only do you have the completed set, but if you were listening to our Houston episode, which is one of the sleeper episodes in our archives, you told the story that that's famously where Paul, maybe, maybe not screwed Vince McMahon around a little bit.
1: Oh man. Well, um, yeah, I've got, I've got, I've, I've got pretty much all the business documentation and all the real documentation for the last several years of of the promotion a lot that I knew about and, and found out some things I didn't know about. So it was, um, very, very, very interesting. And like I said, I'm not even, I'm not even a quarter of the way through it. And there are, uh, ring, the ring boxing and wrestling magazines back in the old days they used to do the ring magazine and half of it was boxing and half of it was wrestling. Right. So you had to fish to go in and find things that were of note, but some of the books, some of the autographs from Liberace. Um, uh, and one of the there is about- an entire box that was nothing but uh, personal letters from George H. Bush. Oh. The the I have China from George Bush's inauguration.
0: And you got a lot of random stuff here. This is more than yeah. just wrestling. This is a guy's life. And,
1: yes. Yeah. Everything. I I have got I've got uh, an inauguration flag with a handwritten note from George Bush in it.
0: What what do you think? Um what's Stephanie think, by the way, I mean Stephanie Pritchard. What's Stephanie think of you saying, honey, um be home Thursday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've got <laughs>
0: four tons <laughs> of shit coming. We'll figure it out.
1: Well, I didn't know that it was that. I didn't realize what it was. that it, it was that much shit because I just blindly said, yeah, man, I'll take it. And, um,
0: and I imagine part of you agreeing to do this is just help a brother out. And it's a payday. Yeah. And it's paying. Homage and I, wanted, and I wanted
1: to make sure that, that his son was taken care of. um, for the immediate future cuz they've fallen on hard, hard times and and I said you know what? Look, here here we go. Um but it 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 has taken up my entire basement and my wife has like a path mm. through all the shit and she just asked me right before I walked in here uh this evening like what in the hell are you going to do with all this stuff? Because as you unpack it, it, it it seems like it gets bigger yeah, as you it unpack does. it. Of course it does. Well, I mean, like, I gotta.
0: I mean, I guess I'm curious. The next step
1: will be to involve the help of Ben Brown. Ben Brown actually helped unpack some of it.
0: I just assume he would know. Ben knows how to preserve things with well, the right people who can help you preserve things and just really sort through a collection. So I imagine, and you literally are talking about this for the first time you're going to keep a lot of pieces for yourself, maybe donate some to some wrestling museums and whatnot, or what's the? maybe some will be used at future WWE events, or
1: what's the... Well, what was that word you used a minute ago?
0: The donut? Huh? Oh, yeah, so no donating. I got you. I understand.
1: I like donuts, All right. obviously. Well,
0: in my head, you know, some of this, there's only so much Bosch stuff you could have, and I'm sure there are a few Wrestling Hall of Fames Or maybe you just save it off for the WWE one. That seems inevitable at some point. I mean, fans have wanted it for a long, long time, and maybe the timing isn't right. And certainly, it's not right now. But maybe one day, or at least I'm hopeful.
1: Knock on wood. You just want me to die, don't you? No. What
0: the fuck are you talking?
1: What are you? I mean, listen. In your living room. That's my takeaway. You know, sometimes you have conversations with people, and they ask, "What's your takeaway on that conversation?" That's my takeaway, Conrad. You want me to die?
0: No, I want you to not die. So I'd like to get this great American bash done before.
1: I got it. Okay. And I also got, I also got like a huge Texas flag and big, uh, U S flag that like you put in your office, like on each side, big flagpoles with eagles and shit that are going to go in my office as well. Oh God, God bless Texas.
0: Those got to be in the backdrop. Like for when you're doing your zoom calls, right? That'd be great shit right there. Yeah. Dude, it sounds like it's- they moved this whole fucking house to you
1: his his office was uh, was built after the fact and um it was oh you said a it was like two and a half car garage right?
0: it was like untouched from the minute he passed until now remember we talked un-touched. about this a while back, but it was all like everything sort of in the same spot it was yeah well congratulations have you um have you talked to Vince about this? What's, I mean, this has got to be something that he's at least a little interested in, right? Like
1: you just. Well, I, I showed him pictures of it before I bought it and, and just said, hey, you know, look what I'm getting. And, of course, he wanted it all. And I said, <laughs> ha-ha, I already got it. Yeah, um, I'm
0: sure that, that Hunter wants a lot of that stuff. He's a big wrestling historian, too, and I got to imagine that's up his alley, too.
1: Yeah, I think he would he would go absolutely nuts to to kind of go through some of this stuff. I am, and it's it's just so... Uh, the bad thing is having me involved in the unpacking, because I stop. And I just go through things and start reading things.
0: Yeah, well, you know what? Take your time. It's not like you're on a timetable.
1: I, I want it all done by the end of the night.
0: Okay, well, we better get going then. Okay. Congratulations, by the way, on your haul. This is, uh, this is a big moment for you, and... You know we've talked a little bit. Go listen to the Houston wrestling episode, everybody. It was uh, it was a great episode. It was a sleeper episode. It was one Bruce wanted to do for a long time. In that era, we put everything on polls and it never won. And then we just we made it happen. And man, it was critically acclaimed. Go out of your way to check it out. Bruce was passionate about it, and when he is loving something, you know it's going to be good. And we hope he's loving talking about Great American Bash today from 2005. It went down in Buffalo, New York. Fifteen years ago today, July 24th, 2005, the last pay-per-view that had anything to do with SmackDown was the one-night stand show back in June. Of course, you may remember the SmackDown and Raw roster sat in the balcony to watch the action until the end of the night brawl. During that brawl, JBL quote-unquote shot on the blue meanie, opening up a cut that he had from a few days prior at a uh, another ECW reunion show. And long-time listeners know you weren't at One Night Stand, but there was some immediate fallout, or so it felt like, of the JBL Meany thing. There was some big buzz online, and it resulted in quite a chair shot heard around the world on SmackDown. Uh, was that just much ado about nothing in hindsight? I mean, these days, JBL and Meany are on great terms. And is this just one of those misunderstandings, or what would you categorize this as?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that it was one of those spur-of-the-moment type things, and it ain't ballet. And sometimes things happen in a, in a physical environment like that where everybody's going at it and uh, things can turn real on a dime. And I think it was a misunderstanding and a, a silly, a horrible, look, not silly to, to mean he got his head bashed in, by any stretch of the imagination, but it was um, unfortunate more than anything.
0: We see to Guerrera, Super Crazy, and Psychosis debut on WWE TV uh, after Crazy and Psychosis had already worked one night stand. We would see Guerrera defeat Funaki, indeed. Uh, and then Crazy and Psychosis would defeat Akio and Billy Kidman, all taped for Velocity. First things first, what was your experience with getting all three of these guys in the company? Hooven, Super Crazy, and Psychosis—they'd been on the market for quite a while, but here in two thousand five, it's finally time for the big call-up. What's the uh, what's the sudden interest in these three guys?
1: And crazy had had been—I'd uh, known him forever through Victor Quinones, and we had used him at different times throughout several incarnations of. Super Astros and, and some of our Latin um, market things that we've done. I knew them through uh, ECW as well. And Super Crazy was one of those that you just you like so much personally, but then his talent spoke for itself. So Crazy was one of those. And the other two were, you know, right place, right time, and looking you know, looking to do something. So the moon and the stars all aligned and it worked out.
0: Hey, real quick. Can you imagine what a bunch of badasses the Legion of Doom felt like riding to the ring at SummerSlam 92, or how badass The Undertaker felt when he was the American badass riding down to the ring. Well, now you can recreate all of that and have a little fun outdoors with the Rad Power Bike. Man, electric bikes are the talk of my household this summer. It feels like more and more people I know are learning about e-bikes, and specifically Rad Power Bikes and what makes them so different. You don't have to take my word for it. Go check it out, man. They're winning a ton of awards over at electricbikereview.com. They even won best affordable electric bike in five categories. There now Rad power bikes is in fact the largest e-bike brand in North America. Now, in case you're out of the loop and I have to admit sometime last year, I didn't know what the hell this was either, but it's a cross between a traditional bike and a moped. But unlike a moped, you don't need a special driver's license, man. This thing's awesome. You can get up to 20 miles an hour without pedaling. So you can go out and have fun without getting all sweaty, but maybe best of all, it's affordable. You see rad power bikes start at just 1200 bucks and they're all less than 1500. Meanwhile, these other e-bikes, they can be in the $3,000 range. These are great for commuting, great for getting out on the trail, hauling groceries, even transporting your kids around town. And to show appreciation for those that service rad power bikes is even offering a hundred dollars off all e-bike purchases for active or ex-military first responders teachers even students they've got a great dedicated us-based customer service support team it's there seven days a week to answer any questions or concerns you might have but this is the perfect gift for someone who loves to be outdoors i can't recommend this enough it's just uh, it's fun it's fun if you like getting out in nature. If you want to go hunting and fishing and have a little fun getting there, uh, it's fun just to haul your kids around and and have a little fun with them. I just can't recommend this enough. Uh, more and more of my friends are coming around on the e-bike thing, man. It's just a great way to get out and have some fun and and enjoy the outdoors, especially after we've all been cooped up. And right now, rad power bikes is offering flexible financing. How about it's as low as 0% APR. Can't get any cheaper than that—zero percent APR. And right now is a limited-time offer. Get a free accessory with the purchase of a bike. That's right. Get a free gift up to a hundred dollars in value, and free shipping to the lower 48. To get this special offer, just text the word Bruce to 64,000. That's Bruce to 64,000. Text B R U C E to 64,000. I can't believe this is real. Well, it's weird, though. Financing. As low as zero percent APR. Where they, they See what we're talking WC, about. Go to radpowerbikes.com and then get the hookup, man. That's your debut Text on Velocity. Mean, that tells, tells you a lot, a lot about where they're, they're going to be. Gonna be. No, I mean, they were What's good. wrong
1: with Velocity?
0: Okay, we'll go with that. But then you turn them into the Mexicools? Chat me up. Uh, first of all, you could never get away with that today. In hindsight, is that one of those regrettable gimmicks or... Did you dig it and they loved it, or what can you tell us about the Mexicals?
1: Well, they did love it, and it was it was different, and it was something about their them looking at their heritage and proud to be Mexican, and it was kind of cool, hence the Mexicals. Uh, the rest of it was taking it into kind of the stereotype and how I think that people would have thought we would have done it and them embracing it and saying, yeah, man, we'll be – you know, what, what they think that they want us to be. And the rest, as they say, is history definitely wouldn't play today. And and don't know that even, you know, at that time that it was the greatest thing in the world to do. However, when a talent embraces it and and they're like, Hey man, let's go have some fun with this. Then that helps.
0: No, listen, no doubt. It seems like they were having fun with it, but the idea that these guys you know who I fell in love with in ECW and WCW are now in like coveralls riding a goddamn lawnmower to the ring. It's a little yeah. what the fuck.
1: Well, they liked it. <laughs>
0: My God. Can you just admit, hey, we probably shouldn't have done
1: that. Oh, I don't think we should have done it at all. No. Okay. On SmackDown, I'm just- and I also and I also wish we don't done super crazy too because I think that of the three um, not taking anything away from uh, and Psychosis I just think of the three on a global basis that crazy was probably the most marketable of them all
0: why do you think that is is it the lack of the mask I mean I, I thought Juventud and Psychosis when they were masked had really cool looks love their stuff in WCW and I admit I didn't I felt like they were Different characters. And I guess I mean I guess they were without them.
1: They were time. they were and they were great. Uh I'm just saying as far as super crazy could work pretty much any style. Right. And could adapt to someone else's style. And Hoovie and Psychosis worked a little more Lucha style. You can't take away Hoovie's charisma. Hoovie had a shitload of charisma, man. Um but you had to work, in my opinion, Hoovie had to work that Lucha style.
0: Well, listen, I, I can't argue any of that. Super crazy. Very, very talented. Let's talk about SmackDown on June 14th, oh five. It features Benoit defeating Doug Basham, but JBL and his cabinet attack Benoit until Undertaker makes the save. It's a weird team, Benoit and Undertaker. The Guerrero and Rey Mysterio feud is going to continue. Serious business. This is an era of shall we say, interesting, creative. We just talked about the Mexicals. Now we've got Eddie and Dominic and Ray Mysterio. Uh,
1: another really bad idea, maybe. Oh no, 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 no. And, and you know, uh, look, I'll, I'll fight for this one. And this one, um, Take all the credit and or blame, however the hell you want to want to look at it. But this was something that was discussed with with Ray and with Eddie. And it, it kind of came from Eddie Guerrero's book. Eddie had just had his book released and the. There was a chapter in it about the time that Eddie and Vicky were separated and that uh, Eddie had a child out of wedlock. Um, and he didn't really go into it that much more. It was a personal deal. But Eddie, you know, that was one of his cleansing things that he wanted to to get out there and, and talk about. So people kind of questioned it and thought, you know, hey, what what is this? And nothing more was ever really brought up about it. So... In everything, you know, you were seeing Dominic on TV from time to time with Ray, and we, we had seen Angie, his, his wife, on TV. Um, it's like, what if? You guys are all close, you best friends. But what if? There was that question. Could this be Eddie's kid? And we you know, um, looked at the time frame. The time frame wasn't exactly on, but Eddie wasn't that specific really on the time frame. He was vague on the time frame in the book. So you could could jump to conclusions if you wanted to. And it's story, folks. It's soap opera. And you utilize what you have in front of you to, to mix reality with soap opera and try to bring the most out of it. So... The idea and the question um, made sense to a lot of people. And before that, we we talked to Ray and his family because I think that that was the family that would be affected the most. We talked to Eddie and his family. Everyone was on board. Everyone was on board with this. And they understood exactly what it was. This is a storyline on a television show. It involves real people. It could or could not involve real situations, but that's where the line is blurred, and that's where you know you can make your own conclusions.
0: Speaking of conclusions, have you ever played Jump to Conclusions? Do you have one of those mats? The game. A what? So, you know, Jump to Conclusions mat. Where I you don't jump? That is. To, I'm going to get you one. It'll go nice with your Paul Bosch collection. We also see Randy Orton debut on SmackDown after being picked in the draft lottery and he attacks the Undertaker to help JBL defeat him in a no DQ match. seems like a natural marriage between Orton and Undertaker. Those guys still love working together. Do they not?
1: Yeah. Again, two of the greatest workers ever lace up a pair of boots.
0: Well, let's talk about some guys who maybe weren't exactly. Mark Jindrak is working the house shows, putting over the likes of
1: Matt Morgan.
0: Where did Mark Jindrak go wrong? Do you think?
1: I just don't think that Mark had the charisma and just didn't click with the audience. It's really that simple. Some, some work, some don't. Mark didn't work and not for athleticism and and really trying and having a desire to do so. Um, but later on in his career, Mark hit Mexico was a monster heel, American heel. So he found his niche, made it work.
0: Let's talk about uh, Matt Hardy. His music is going to play during an episode of Raw while Edge is in the ring. At what point did the shoot of Matt Hardy become the work of coming back? We've talked about it in long form, but briefly refresh our memory on on how that became something that the crowd was doing on their own. And then you guys decided, ah, let's just go
1: with it. Yeah, and, and the audience, you know, will let you know they did. So there was a real life situation in an underground kind of rumbling, if you will, that, uh, we took and, and ran with it again, life, imitating art, art, imitating life, and when the two mix, those stories usually work out.
0: Well, it worked out, you know, I, I think they probably had a little more life to it. We've talked about that enough though, in the archives, let's talk about something that we haven't talked a ton about. You're going to bring the diva search back here in this era. Why? Who, who's pushing for this? Is this a Kevin Dunn initiative?
1: Well, you know the diva search is—you're looking at a variety show, and you've got a lot of different things and a lot of different segments right. to fill, and different, as Michael Hayes will say, demiographs. Oh God. Uh, they 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 It was, it was something in the vein of searching for talent and during all this, yeah, we were searching for talent, but it was another way to, to do that and address it and get it out there.
0: The other thing I wanted to mention is we've got a European tour. That's going to begin with Steve Austin as a special guest referee and a tour that draws near sellouts the entire tour here because people are excited to see Stone Cold back in any capacity. John Cena's going to be on top of those cards facing JBL and um, Kurt Angle as well. And then after the bout, Austin would stun Cena before handing him a beer. I should mention, Austin's not a heel. I mean, this is just what fans want to see. And before the finish, he would even stun Kurt Angle. Talk me through the idea of bringing back you know, the, the biggest star you ever had. Do you think that was cutting the knees out from Cena? Is that putting the stamp of approval? What's the strategy and and how difficult is it to get, you know, not Jalen, but Steve to go across, across the bond here when he's not in the ring anymore?
1: Well, it's taking your, your hottest acts and trying to get the absolute most out of them. And Steve, you know, couldn't work regular schedule anymore, but hell yeah, you can utilize them whenever you can and rub him up against Cena. It doesn't matter. The, the star appeal of, of stone cold, Steve Austin, I think that he could have, um, stunned the Pope and they would have cheered. Well, at least some people would have.
0: Uh, Vince supposedly announces at the Ireland show that This is where the McMahon legacy begins.
1: How important
0: is Vince's Irish heritage to him?
1: Vince is very Irish. So, (laughs)
0: um,
1: well, what we know in
0: wrestling is if he's very Irish, he's got a shillelagh. I mean, he's got all the gimmicks, right?
1: Okay. What self-respecting Irishman does not carry a shillelagh at all times?
0: I didn't know that Vince did. Where does he keep it? Are,
1: do you carry this Ah, the that's board? the secret. Okay. Well, I know once, it's like, upon a where time, are my lucky charms?
0: Oh God. What? I don't think Vince needs to hear you say it like that, buddy.
1: Well, how the fuck could you say it then?
0: Me lucky charms.
1: Me lucky charms. Jesus. Get Hornswoggle on the phone.
0: Uh, CM Punk in this era would sign with WWE and Samoa Joe signs with TNA. This has always been fun for me because these guys had just really torn it up the prior year for Ring of Honor. And when that company, it looked like it was going to go under, had a series of of really long 60-minute draws. And people loved it. And there were title runs. And I feel like they really leveled themselves up and the company at the time. Fast forward one year, and they're making different decisions here. TNA's trying to make a run with their TV deal, and CM Punk is going to opt for the WWE. It's fun to sort of look back in fantasy book. You and I have done this before of, hey, what if Warrior goes to Crockett, and what if Sting comes to the WWE? Why didn't Samoa Joe go to the WWE back then? Was there no interest in him or his body type or his style, or why did Punk get the nod and Joe didn't?
1: There, there was interest in Punk, I mean, in uh, Joe. And. Joe chose to go with TNA. It's it's that simple. It was, we did want both guys and looked at both guys, but Joe made the choice.
0: Do you think had Joe come in there, he would have been an Umaga-type character in that era?
1: No, I don't. I think that Joe was was different enough and still is different enough that I don't think that he would have been been that that type of a character. Um, There's no better time to say I love
0: you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate Steven Singer.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades, whether you have someone or something to celebrate. Steven is there for you, ready to take the next step. Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That is no hassle, no risk expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for more than two decades, but recently he's kicked up everything a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love I you every single day. Back with that decades of experience in the, and the comfort of your own home. Historically, it's that's easy. Just the go to myhateStevensinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Plus. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's Wait, some that's some I IHateStevenSinger.com. There were others, Samoans that I didn't know about that didn't do that? Yeah. The Jazz. This is where you listen. Roman Reigns. Okay, he, he came way after Bruce. Do you see the difference?
1: Conrad, I'm done with you already. <laughs> uh, the Smackdown. I'm act. done. We, we are like eight minutes into the goddamn podcast. I'm done with you. Uh, I'm done.
0: It's been a while since we
1: had a good fight.
0: Let's fucking get into it. Smackdown on June 30th was taped after Raw, uh, and uh, Cena, Michaels, and Hogan going to team up in the main event this is the beginning of the Hulk Hogan Shawn Michaels program we're going to talk about it boys and girls It's one of our most requested topics and yes SummerSlam 05 is on the docket It's coming your way soon uh, even though this has nothing to do with the Great American Bash I do want to talk about how difficult was it getting those parties to agree to even work with each other at first I know we're going to get the conclusion of the story at Smackdown or not Smackdown SummerSlam when we do it here next month but was there hesitation on either side about even entertaining the idea of working together? No, there wasn't. Great. Can't wait for it to fall apart on our next episode. Uh, John Cena has been drafted to Raw while he's the WWE champion on SmackDown, and Batista didn't move over to SmackDown until after he defeated Triple H in a Hell in a Cell match at Benzins. Why the, why the hold to move Cena for that long before Batista I mean, before moving Batista, I mean, what's the, what's the rationale here? For a minute, you've got two champs on one show.
1: Well, keeps you guessing.
0: It really is that simple. Just,
1: it it really is that simple because it kind of put, it gives you something to talk about. Like what the hell is going to happen now? Right. Is one without a champion. And it gives you, it's a built in story.
0: JBL defeats The Undertaker, Chris Benoit, Booker T., Christian, and Muhammad Hassan in an elimination match around the 33-minute mark. Uh, Taker's disqualified at 8.43 after hitting Hassan with a steel chair. Hassan gets counted out. JBL pins Benoit with a DDT around 18 and a half minutes. Christian pins Booker with a roll-up around 32 minutes. And then JBL would ultimately pin Christian with a clothesline from hell. And the stipulation is, The winner becomes the new world champion. And moments later, Teddy Long came out and said JBL couldn't be the new champion because SmackDown had just drafted its new champion, and he introduced the world heavyweight champion, Batista, and JBL is now now announced as the number one contender. So this is Batista's surprise return to SmackDown after a three-year absence. When a guy moves like this, a big star, one of your prime stars like Batista, does he see viewing or, or does he view moving to this show as an, an maybe a demotion? I mean, we've always heard that. Why the hell would it be a demotion? Well, because the perception, and perception is reality, is that
1: Raw's the A show, SmackDown's the B show. And that they, depends on whose perception you're counting. If it's, you know. Um,
0: amongst the talent, the show that's live, people believe to be Vince's baby, the flagship, Monday Night Raw. SmackDown is the little engine that could. It's doing fine, but it's taped, so therefore it's quote-unquote less special. That's the perception from fans and some of the guys who did the work in the ring. You say nay-nay?
1: I say nay-nay.
0: Nay. Nay. My point is, did Batista view it as a demotion?
1: No, I think Dave looked at this as an opportunity to show his wares and shine on another platform is there how much how much
0: and, thought is given to not just the quote unquote brand but fresh matchups like all right he's already worked with all these guys so we got to get a new crop of guys for him to mow down let's just move him to another night and
1: line him up yeah uh, that definitely helps and they look they're regardless of sometimes what we want to think and what the perception might be there is crossover on the shows, but also there there's not crossovers. So to the SmackDown audience, Batista was new. And yes, looking at that and looking at where we were, there is a whole crop of new opponents for Batista on that show, and that that definitely helps.
0: Let's talk about the Asian tour to South Korea and Japan. Uh, did you ever go to these tours in South Korea? I mean, what, what are your... Memories of being there. You've told us about being in Japan before, but I don't think you've ever talked to us about South Korea.
1: I've never been to South Korea. Okay. Uh, Not that I wouldn't go, but I have never been.
0: SmackDown was again taped after Raw. Uh, This is on that same tour. How draining is it on the talent to do Raw and then turn around and do SmackDown right away? I mean, it's got to ruin the crowds. Right, because they can't be excited for, you know, five or six hours in a row. I mean, I know we, we test that every year with WrestleMania, but it does feel like they start to, for lack of a better phrase, peter out. Right?
1: They do. It's it's a long time. It's a long time to sit there, and you always have to take that into consideration, without a doubt.
0: What about the talent? Is the talent griping, or are they happy that it's just, hey, let's just, we're all here. Let's just get the shit done.
1: That could get a little gripey. Yeah. It's a long day, man. Gotta be. Let's talk about yeah, the Blue it, Mini again. It's it just it, it just makes, you know, not, not only not only the talent, but producers, everybody in, involved. It it gets it can be trying without a doubt.
0: I wanna briefly mention the Blue Mini situation again. Before we do, I wanna mention Mind of Mini as a new podcast. Blue Manie is a great friend of the show, done a bunch of live shows with us. We think the world of him. If you like Blue Meanie or you like comedy and wrestling, check his podcast out. Uh, he does it with Josh Chernoff, another great guy. So check it out, Mind of Meanie. Meanie's going to wind up pinning JBL in that No DQ match we talked about earlier where Stevie Richards is going to hit JBL with one of the hardest chair shots in the history of fucking chairs that most fans would perceive as being a receipt. And then Batista is going to attack JBL and hit a spine buster Why the BWO here? I mean, you have Stevie and Nova. Why not just add Meanie and really make a go of the thing here?
1: I don't really know. I just think it was... Meanie was Meanie, and and Meanie had an opportunity to do something kind of apart from a group, and that kind of worked.
0: We talked briefly about the Mexicals a moment ago. Um, they're gonna attack William Regal. This is sort of an odd first pairing for the Mexicals, is it not? Or did you see how well it had worked, you know, a few years prior with Tajiri and Regal? And you're like, man, we can put anybody with Regal and that shit's gonna
1: work. <laughs> you know, that that becomes a that becomes a reality sometimes. You try not to do that. But when you have someone that's as versatile and can turn pretty much anything into gold, you tend to rely on it.
0: Yeah. I mean, and listen, if you watch the program now, you see who, you know, the company can rely on. They find themselves becoming utility players for better or worse. We should also mention, this is the era where things go bad for Muhammad Hassan. We've done a whole episode on this. I think it's one of our more underrated episodes. Uh, I hate to keep referencing this stuff, but there's so much to unpack here. Here's the gist of it. The Undertaker is going to pin Divari, but he's attacked by a bunch of hooded men who choke him out with piano wire. It turns out to be really bad timing. In hindsight, probably shouldn't have made air. Ultimately, the decision is made to just let this heat surpass and do away with this character. It's a really unique story. We probably don't have to get into it again because if you've been listening to our shows in order, you know the story. But if you want more information on this, go check it out. And by the way, the guy behind the character, Muhammad Hassan, now listens to our show. How about that, Bruce?
1: Well, of course they do. Who doesn't listen to our show?
0: Uh, How insane. Well, okay, it was a little humble brag, but but damn it. No, no doubt about it. We're entitled. In in hindsight, this angle is fucking insane, is it not?
1: Well, I I think that when you look through anything, in, in hindsight, you can pick it apart all you want. I think at the time that it mirrored, you know, again, it mirrored society at the time. And right or wrong, it was... A hot topic and it was something, you know, look, no one ever in a million gazillion years, you know, could think that, oh my God, we're going to do this angle. And then this horrible terrorist act is going to take place halfway, halfway around the world. Um, yeah, timing was shit.
0: It's really unbelievable when you go back and look at it, it's such a unique story. I can't recommend it enough. If you're new to our show, if you just discovered it, if you haven't heard the Hassan angle or you thought, oh, I didn't care about that guy, go listen to the story. It's it's unique. Let's talk about something else that happens here right before this show. The WWE is going to release a total of 19 people, all of the damn Dudleys, Bubba, Devon, and Spike, Joey Giovanni, Kenzo Suzuki, and Hiroko, butchered that. Bless you. uh <laughs> Matt Morgan, Charlie Haas, Jackie Gata, Marty Jannetty, again. Wait a minute, Marty? No way. Don Marie, Mark Jindrak, Maven, Kidman, Shannon Moore, Akio, Gangrel, and Kevin Fertig, and Jim Cornette. Now, Jim Cornette is a different subject completely. We'll get to that in a moment. The names that stick out the most on here to me are the Dudley Boys. I mean, they had been such a big part of WWE. With all of their crazy tables, ladders, and chairs. Why is the decision made to move away? Were they difficult to do business with? Did Vince not see any anything in creative for them? Did he think they had done it all? They weren't versatile enough to split up? What's the thinking?
1: No, I think that more than anything, it was a timing issue. And, you know, obviously the Dudleys, during the time, massive contribution and were a hell of a tag team. Um, just... There are times when it's just time for whatever reason, um, these decisions are difficult to make and they're not made lightly. So when, when you're looking at it and you have to make cuts and you have to make adjustments, uh, it's just not always the easiest thing in the world. And sometimes you have to do things that uh, may not be popular, may not be seen by all, but they're necessary for business reasons and and, and for business. Um, you know there, there's times where you said, okay you've got you've got to cut three people or whatever. Um, that's your mandate and you may like everyone that you have and feel everyone contributes but you still have to cut three people. Sometimes there's not a rhyme or reason to it. And it's always difficult
0: i can't imagine especially when you see a guy like kidman who we know has been a longtime contributor you know before and after this um but here just uh bad timing as you said also bad timing for jim Cornette. jim Cornette is going to get cut from his role as big head booker of the developmental territory ohio valley wrestling and the write-up says after an incident where he blew his top and slapped a trainee multiple times. Of course, we know this started with the debut of Marty, Wright, Uh, the, uh, jacked up black dude who lied about his age on tough enough. And they decided to give him a gimmick and hire him anyway. And he's the fucking boogeyman. And <laughs> Cornette tells a hilarious story here, but the gist is they wanted all of the quote unquote extras and trainees to be in the crowd and, quote-unquote sell for the boogeyman be scared of the boogeyman and that didn't really work for the fellow who would go on to become santino morello and he thinks this is hilarious so he laughs uh that doesn't work for cornet when he comes back through the curtain he confronts him and cornet is fired up santino doesn't think he's done anything wrong and it's written that he slapped Santino at least a dozen times right in front of everyone. No surprise, this gets back to the office. And as the story goes, that's a wrap. Is that pretty much the gist of what happened?
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, that, that's Corny's version of it. You know, when you, you boil it down again to business and um, the year being 2005, there are ways that you need to conduct business and ways that you need to be, uh, and how you handle things. And you can't, you can't just slap people. Yeah. I mean, hell you can't even yell at people anymore. How
0: does, how does Cornette take that? Does it affect your friendship and relationship? You know, what's the response for Corny when he learns, Hey, I'm out of here over this.
1: You know, I, I, Look, I I was sad because I think that Corny had an awful lot to um, give back to the business. And I think that he was uh, positive in a lot of the things that he did teach people as far as the history of the business and logic and storytelling within the business. Um, But again, you have to, it is a business and you have to Conduct your business in a professional manner, and it's just not professional and business to be slapping people, especially in front of people. Uh, you know, <laughs> slap the shit uh, out of them, and Slap the shit looking. out of them all you want in private. No, that's not even good. Um, it was just an unfortunate incident. I hated it, I hated it for um, a plethora of reasons, but I don't know if if Jimmy had just gotten to the point too, where he, you know, maybe he, he wanted to get the hell out. Who knows? Well, yeah. I mean,
0: we've often heard that he was frustrated with the way things were happening and you know, the management style and he didn't enjoy working with Johnny Ace. And so I understand eventually this was probably going to happen, but it happens in such dramatic fashion. What does that sound like when you get him on the phone?
1: Triple cheeseburger,
0: triple cheese, extra onion, double mayo. I just imagine.
1: Motherfucker!
0: It sounded something like, well, goddamn, you can't slap these motherfuckers? You don't know but how to slap these? I slapped him because he deserved to be slapped, the
1: stupid fucking bitch. Times change, man.
0: It's just such a fucking shame too Because that dude's a wrestling genius Uh, We also hear that Brock Lesnar and Vince McMahon are going to meet You know, famously Brock Lesnar Finished up at Wrestlemania 20 The prior year, 2004 Tried his hand at the Vikings That didn't really work out Uh, What was the gist of the meeting? Was it just to catch up, see how things are going Test the water, or What do you remember the strategy being In the meeting here with Vince and Brock?
1: Well, you know, look, Brock had gone out, Brock had done what he wanted to do. And I think Brock was weighing his options as to what he wanted to do next, whether it was going to Japan, MMA, or maybe something else. Um, son of a bitch is a a mega athlete and probably could have done a lot of things if he put his mind to it. Um, so this was just kind of a, what is there, you know, what's next? What is there for me?
0: So let's keep it moving here, and let's talk about something else that makes the news. It's about Larry Mullen, Mullen finishing up. What can you tell us about Larry? He's your right. company. Never met
1: him. Never met him. Okay. Larry Mullen. It was his name. All I all I ever heard was he had um, lurch like fingers.
0: Okay, that's a weird
1: fact. That's a weird fact. That's all I know about the man. Lurch. Cup of Joe's, cup, cup of Joe's, yeah.
0: Cup of Joe's, cup, cup of Joe's, yeah. All right, I've had a lot of fun with Cup of Joe's. I got to tell you, this has been a home run for me. I've got a lot of people in my life who love cigars. So this past Father's Day, man, I was hooking people up left and right. And cupofjoes.com is home to over 50 brands of cigars, including favorites like Monte Cristo, Acid, Java, Davidoff, Rocky Patel, Kristoff, and more. Whether you're looking to try a new cigar and singles or get a whole box we've got you covered with great prices and excellent customer service check out our page at cuppajoes.com forward slash podcast for exclusive deals just because you listen to something to wrestle or you can email info at cupofjoes.com for each one of our fine cigar specialists we should mention that all the cigars at Cupajoes.com are carefully stored in a beautiful walk-in humidor to ensure that your cigars come fresh and humidified cup of joes.com also has lighters, cutters, and every other cigar accessory you could ever need all available right now at cup So if you love great cigars and you want a great deal, you've got to go to cup forward slash podcast. And they make this super easy. Even for a cigar novice like myself, my friends, know good cigars, cup of joes, make sure that it looks like I know what the hell I'm doing. Bruce, you know a thing or two about cigars. Cup of com is legit,
1: isn't that right? Absolutely. The beautiful thing about it is, you know, like a lot of these other cigar places, they will put out some fancy looking cigars. Cup of Joe, they've got the real deal. They've got the Primo cigars. Whatever your taste is, we like a smooth, easy, light smoke. You want that bold Maduro and you want something that you're going to taste and linger for a while. They've got it all and they have the best of the best at the most competitive prices out there.
0: Thanks, Bruce. So if you're looking for some of the best quality cigars around at the best price, you've got to go to cupofjoes.com forward slash podcast. I'll take my word for it. Check it out right now for yourself. It's C-U-P-O-J-O-E-S dot com forward slash podcast. And we thank Cup of Joes for sponsoring today's podcast. Cup of Joes, Cup, Cup of Joes, yeah. Let's talk about SmackDown from July 14th. The Road Warrior Animal returns to save John Heidenreich from an attack from Eminem. Is this a Vince McMahon idea? Or who else pitches, let's create another Legion of Doom, Road Warriors. And even though Hawk is gone, we can find somebody else. What about this fucking right guy? Yeah. Well, who pitches that? Is that your... No. Don't tell me that's your idea, Bruce. Oh, no, it's
1: not. Whose well, idea was it? Well, it was, it was basically, here's Animal... <laughs> okay. Here's animal. You know, there, there there are people that that truly believe that you are just uh, no matter where you are. So like old Larry Mullen, yeah, or Larry Mullen, whatever his name is, who spent three weeks on the writing team, I don't know how long he spent. He may have spent six weeks. Yeah, you're I'm being smart sure. I got you.
0: Yeah. The point not, is, yeah.
1: was, I, I don't, don't know how free. long he was a part of the writing team. I do know that in my experience during his time, I never once met the man. I never once laid eyes on him and was in the same room with him. Um, But yet for him, for you to even ask me about him it boggles the mind because to people, sometimes on the outside, they he may have presented himself, or maybe he worked on a, on another television show, and it's like, oh my God, this guy worked. It's or to think that, well, you guys um, brought animal in to make Road Warrior with Heidenreich. It's it's sometimes you are you have a deck of cards, right? And your delta hand, and you have to play that hand the very best that you can at the time with all the parameters. There may be a twenty-five dollar limit at that table. Sometimes there's no limits, but you have to play the hand that you're given, and you have to make the very best out of it with what you're given. Now, if anybody else you know plays cards, does better than you, then great. But if you've never played cards, and you've never actually been in the game I'm talking cards here. Okay. Then you don't really know. And well, that's, that's
0: why I'm asking. Bubba. It gets crazy.
1: I answered Conrad I about had it with you already again. So you're, you're putting this. Is, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm about like, uh, half hot, three quarters hot. Five eight I'm a five. little, I'm a little over half hot.
0: Oh shit.
1: Yeah, I'm a little over half hot. I'm at about, I'm at about, um, five, I'm trying hot. to think of what half is. You're 5'8 like hot. Huh? You're 5'8 hot. Yeah. Yeah, you damn right. I am. Don't you get me to 6'8 hot. I don't think you say it like that. That'd be that. 3 quarters, would yeah, That'd be 3 quarters hot. Yeah. I know my math. I know my fractions. I know my ciphering. Did
0: you learn them in Bosch's books? Hey, so it's yeah. serious business. The Hydenrak idea. Clearly a fucking terrible idea to recreate the Road Warriors. And I often feel like anytime you put the word new in front of something, it's gonna be shitty, you know? New no, rockers, it's not. new it's New
1: and improved.
0: All right. Give me an example of so the new rockers were better. Al Snow was better than Al than than Shawn Michaels as a rocker.
1: You mean Leaf Cassidy? Yeah, my bad. Leaf Cassidy. Oh. That was awesome.
0: Seriously, th- you knew this was gonna suck before you ever saw it, right? I mean,
1: oh, so okay, so the new world order sucked. Shut the fuck up, Bruce. You, you said thinking? anything with "new" in front of it is gonna suck. You knew what I That's meant. That's what you said. All right,
0: I'll, I'll admit, I did like the original world order. I didn't like, <laughs> I didn't like the new <laughs> world order as much. I, I like the original world order. Fuck off, Bruce. Right. Why, why are
1: you like snappy at me?
0: You're Mr. Snippity. Because I can never tell how much time I have. I haven't gotten to the show. And you're like wanting to be argumentative. Well,
1: you better wrap it the
0: fuck up. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Before we get going, you're like, how long is this going to take? I'm already in shit. And I'm like, 90 minutes. And now we're fucking <laughs> splitting hairs about if you play cards. And hypothetically, you shuffle the deck. You don't understand if you didn't take the Joker out And you've got a royal flush. You didn't have a chance to play the cards. Shut the fuck up. I'm talking about cards. You're having a fucking meltdown, buddy. You sound sleepy. You sound tired. You sound stressed.
1: Oh, well, fuck. It sounds like you're just fucking writing headlines now, Connie.
0: Well, what else is new? Are you going to tell me about
1: fucking Heidenreich? I did. Well, whose fucking idea is it? We want to send hate tweets. God damn it. Hey, hey, you know what? Since I've been texting, I tell you what, Brian Giewertz. Let's let's just dump it on him. I don't Do know if it was or wasn't, but by God, give it to Brian.
0: I'm ready for it. I'm in. During right. this time, WWE starts running house shows in smaller arenas. They're drawing 1,500 to 2,000 people. What's the, re- the rationale to putting a show and a brand and this kind of effort on the road for 1500 fans i mean you can't be making money there really is it just servicing the brand and the greater good and hoping that they'll become more invested and buy more merch online and buy the pay-per-views or what's the thinking here
1: well it just goes back to the the live event philosophy of what it is that we do and to be out in the markets that you're that you're promoting too and you know television for many many years was supported by the live events and or the live event was supported by by television and you one needs the other and used to need the other dramatically so um that was the business model the business model wasn't just to do television the business model was to use television to run live events
0: it's just remarkable that this company used to draw so many people to live events but it does feel like the company is changing and it's less about live events and it's more about the other revenue streams i mean when you first got into the biz it was how many tickets did you sell and then eventually how many tickets did you sell and how many pay-per-views did you sell but then the crazy licensing and then you know the crazy merch and It just goes on and on, and then television rights changes it all. But, oh, my gosh, we go public, and it's a whole new ballgame after that, right? It's a totally different business than what you signed up with with Mr. Bosch.
1: Yeah, the business evolves, and you have to evolve with it. But, yeah, sometimes while you're evolving with it, you have to figure it out as you go along because sometimes the audience doesn't even know what they want.
0: That's a little scary. Um, let's talk about SmackDown from the 21st It's scheduled. to have M&M, <coughs> oh, That's that Rona face balls, Mahoney and Axel rotten in a dark match, but rotten wasn't cleared by the Maryland state athletic commission. First of all, how fucking dumb is it that we have athletic commissions patrolling pro wrestling? And second, what was wrong with Axel here? What happened? Do you recall?
1: I don't recall. I'm, I'm shocked that we would have even had him, Anywhere around the crowd, uh, the the card, but look, the athletic commissions. When you break it all down, and you look at our business as it is, and people always blame Vince for. Oh my God, he said the business is a work. Get rid of the athletic commission you know, let's go back to Vern Gagne many, 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 many years ago and going to Las Vegas, going to Colorado and different places and saying, hey, guys, the business is a work. We, you don't need to govern us because what we do isn't really sport. It's it's an exhibition. It's, it's not real. And here was the guy, Mr. Ultimate K Fabe and, and what have you, but when it came to not paying that 5% to... The athletic commission, he was more than happy to expose the business, but he wasn't exposing the business. He was stating a fact and pointing out how ridiculous it was to have a, quote, uh, authentic athletic commission appointed to oversee an exhibition, a choreographed exhibition, and collect 5% for what? All they did, nine out of ten of them, all they did was come in and collect money for licenses and collect their percentage of the gate at the end of the night.
0: I just don't know why it's still even a thing. I mean, just this past I don't year, AEW ran a show in, in Baltimore and... Uh, Chris Cruz sent some nasty gram, and they had to uh, answer to the commission. And it's like I don't even know what that is or what they're doing. Wow. Why, um, why the heat with Axel? Why did you you said I'm surprised he was even near the car?
1: Well, I, I because he wasn't the most dependable guy in the world, and he just wasn't somebody that was highly sought after. I don't I don't remember him ever even being there, so.
0: All right, let's do a couple more things before we get into the show. Earl Hebner is fired for allegedly selling company merchandise without company permission, or at least that's the rap. And I've heard another version that says it was really just a major misunderstanding where they had like an embroidery hookup or maybe they were in that biz, but they were making like shirts and hats for the guys and girls on the crew and not necessarily setting up shop and selling stuff. What do you remember about the Hebner's run ending here? Because they had been such a big part of the company for so long. I think this took a lot of people by surprise.
1: I remember being unfortunate. And, you know, it's one of those things. There are are times where things happen and you hear a lot of rumbling and you hear a lot of uh, rumor and innuendo. But I never, ever really got a full story one way or the other. Um, from anybody, I, I do know that the Hebner's definitely, uh, had a hookup with somebody that did embroidery and guys had shirts and, um, jackets and different things made with them. And I don't know how everything else developed other than one day. Um, unfortunately they were gone. And I think that Dave and Earl uh, both friends of mine are great guys, but I've never even talked to them about it um, in detail as to what actually happened. And it's just unfortunate because they, to me, they were two uh, stand-up guys that I've always enjoyed their company. But it was just, um, you know, so, sometimes you just don't know the whole story. And sometimes it's better that you don't know.
0: Well, I can understand that. I do want to ask one follow-up, though. There's a weird rumor out there that at the time, I don't know why this would even be the case, he had some bloated contract that maybe he felt like Vince wanted to get out of. Like, the rumor I heard, and I can't believe this is even a real number I'm going to say out loud, but that he was making like nearly half a million dollars as a referee, and I just can't fathom that.
1: I've never heard that until those words just came out of your mouth.
0: Well, had you heard that Muhammad Hassan is going to become a band character by UPN? I mean, that's where SmackDown is housed. He's a SmackDown character. If he can't appear on the show, that's pretty much the end of that character, is it not? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about another friend of yours who uh, unfortunately passes away. Lord Alfred Hayes passes away at only seventy years old. We've talked a little bit about Lord Alfred over the years here on the show. What are some of your favorite memories you can share about him? I don't know that we have enough to do a full show on him, but this feels like a great time to just share a little bit about your friend Alfred.
1: I used to love to go to a place by the name of Bugby and Brownell on Route One in Norwalk, Connecticut with Alfred. It was uh it was kinda like a New England Applebee's, but not, it it wasn't a franchise or anything like that. It wasn't as lit up as Applebee's, but I don't know why I compare it to Applebee's, but, um, we used to go in there and have adult beverages after work, uh, back in the late eighties. And Alfred would always get, um, could I get a scotch, no ice with a side of ginger ale? And Alfred would pour his ginger ale into a scotch. He didn't like it diluted. He never, he never liked them to mix it. He liked to mix it himself. And we would sometimes buy probably too much. And one Saturday, Alfred called me at home and says, Bruce, a question for you. I'm like, yeah. He says, do you have any idea where I might have left my automobile last night? <laughs> And I I had no idea. And after searching, walking around the block, um, in maybe a parking lot over, Alfred found his automobile that had been parked across about six parking spots in just some random parking lot that he found, and joyfully called me back to inform me that he had he had found his automobile. It was the ugliest light blue Lincoln. Continental you ever saw in your life. But uh, I, I enjoyed many an evening with Alfred uh, listening to his stories from the old days and just talk about how much he despised Don Jardine when he managed Don Jardine in Minneapolis. Um, it's just he the way he would tell stories with his British accent uh, was absolutely hilarious. And even it his ripe old age at the time. Uh he was in his late fifties, mid fifties, late fifties. Good God, he was my age. No. Um but Alfred still could could romance pretty much anybody in that bar and have me out of the palm of his hand. So he was a unique, wonderful, wonderful man. And uh I loved Alfred and, and he's missed to this day.
0: Yeah, it's a shame that we lost him. Um, he was a part of all of our childhoods, especially if we enjoyed Coliseum video, it feels like he was the guy who introduced them all. Or at least when I was at the height of my fandom. Hey man, want to make this the best summer ever. What if you could get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments by five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. But what if the little cherry on top was no house payments for two months? That's right. No payments in August or September. You're done until October and come October. You're going to have a better mortgage, but don't take my word for it. Ask Kenneth in Hazel green, Kentucky. He says, all I was trying to do was refinance down to 10 years in order to set me up for retirement without a mortgage payment. After telling first family, what I wanted, not only did they get me a shorter term, but they were able to reduce my payment and cut my interest rate in half. I could not be more satisfied with the process and the outcome. If you're looking to get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments, and maybe even get rid of all your credit card debt, man, you've got to go to savewithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can qualify. And because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender, That's savewithconrad.com. Let's talk about somebody who might be coming in. We've got the WWE in talks with Matt Stryker. And this is after the story of Matt Stryker taking sick time or sick leave as a teacher to work some wrestling matches goes public. What about the the Matt Stryker story? Piqued WWE's interest. Just thought, hey, this is already mainstream. Let's double down and make something of it.
1: Well, we, we were using Matt uh, as an enhancement talent anyway at the time, and Matt had a really good look about him, very well-spoken, and was an interesting story. When, and, <laughs> and because he was an interesting story is probably what led to him losing his job as a teacher. But Matt had been taking leave to go and do our events, and that kind of ended up biting him in the ass, but it was a good story, and we used it to our advantage
0: let's get to the show let's get to great american bash to start us off we've got heidenreich and animal working with eminem for the tag team titles this is indeed the opening match uh he doesn't come out by he i mean heidenreich with the spike shoulder pads and face paint yet animal apparently dedicates this match to hawk and of course well doesn't exactly work um animal gets the hot tag. He runs wild. He's flying around. And Nitro's gonna hit him with a belt shot behind the ref's back, but he's gonna kick out. Eminem go for the snapshot, but Heidenreich breaks it up. And then the good guys hit the doomsday device for the pin. The crowd's chanting LOD. The announcers were trying to put it over as a win for Hawk. Hawk would even be addressed by animal in the ring he says Hawk this one's for you brother and uh, I guess it's a nice gesture but just feels a little weird I didn't love it uh, your boy Brian Alvarez gave it one star what do you think
1: about Brian Alvarez or the
0: not Brian Alvarez about the match about Eminem versus heidenreich and animal Eminem such a great presentation at the time uh, I enjoyed Mercury I enjoyed Nitro uh, Molina was certainly over. Uh, especially with, uh, well, fans who like that entrance. Animal, a throwback, sort of vintage pop. You know, you can get a big nostalgia pop. These are the guys who were famous once upon a time for the Road Warrior pop, and we know anytime you do some nostalgia, at least the first time out, it's going to get a big pop, and that happens here. Heidenreich in the mix, I don't know, man. It just feels
1: weird, or at least for me. What would you think? Well, the crowd was chanting L-O-D. So that's a win. Yeah, it sucked. Thank you. What, what can you tell us about M? M&M?
0: You know, we, uh, we know that Nitro is back now. John Morrison. Uh, Molina's days with WWE are done. And, and Mercury had an on-air and then an off-air role with the company. He's no longer there. What can you tell us about their pairing in this era? I mean, probably a little underrated, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, they were. They were a great tag team, and they complemented each other really well it was two young guys in mercury and nitro that were coming up and one without the other at the time may not have worked in my opinion um but that together they had a a great charisma and they they really fit so yeah you throw molina into that and it was a hell of a package so for me i thought they were they were great and both guys could definitely go, and I think that Mercury probably covered Nitro's greenness at the time, because uh, John was still a little green, and Nitro covered that up and was able to to make that. This is where a pairing like that really helps, because they, where Nitro had this just crazy whatever unexplainable charisma, um, and way about him. Mercury could go in and, and do the fundamentals. It feels like,
0: uh, I don't know. a feel good moment that they're looking for here. And it's maybe at the expense of Eminem. And we know it's not going to last long. So all's well, it ends well next up two guys who are trying to sort of find their way here in WWE Booker T and Christian. Charmel's here, back at her man.
1: I think it's a two. You're not gonna believe this. What's that? This is a sidebar. Literally, as I just made that comment about Nitro. Yeah. He texted me. Tell him we said hello. Tell him
0: that all the something the rest of the listeners said hello. Okay. Um brian alvarez would write cole spent the first five minutes giving stats about both guys i think the idea is that they figure this will make it look like cole has a clue but he comes across like he's reading it off a paper prepared for him which he is of course and thus in some way he comes off as having even less of a clue i guess maybe if he retains some of this knowledge he'll be better off for it that's his criticism of michael cole and i've always found criticisms of michael cole to be a little unfair It's not like this the old days where you said, all right, guys, just call what you see on the monitor. He's being produced in a major way and being told essentially what to say. I'm not going to say scripted exactly, but certainly he's got an ear in his voice and and a guiding hand here. But Michael Cole left to just call wrestling. That's a great job calling matches, but that's not always what that job for the WWE at least requires, right?
1: Michael does do a great job. It always has. It's what's called for at the time. And, and some um, play-by-play people like to deluge you with facts and let you know how smart they are and everything that, that, that they know, um, even though someone else did the research for them. Um, and, you know, that's some of the guidance that Michael was given at the time. Not always right, not always wrong, but uh, you know Michael's great at doing what he is asked to do, and Michael also is is one of those talents that doesn't need to be told what to do all the time either, and he is probably the most underrated and underappreciated uh, play-by-play guy in the business.
0: I agree. Gets a bad rap. Let's talk about this match, though, with Booker T and Christian. Brian would write, Booker made his big comeback and ran wild. Half the crowd booed when he signaled for the spinner Rooney, and the announcers noted that there were a lot of peeps in the crowd. Christian got several near falls using the ropes and such, and every time Booker kicked out, they booed. It wasn't overwhelming, though, as Booker did have his fans. So anyway, all of a sudden, Booker T hit the axe kick off the top, and I thought, geez, that's an awfully big move for Christian to kick out of. But then all of a sudden, the ref counted three, and Christian had not kicked out. He lost. Who the fuck is booking this show for two for two in completely incomprehensible finishes? Two and. A well,
1: quarter. Why is that incomprehensible?
0: I think he means because it feels like Christian's got some momentum, but he doesn't pick up the win. Instead, Booker T does.
1: Well, some people might say Booker's got the momentum. Uh, again, that's a matter of opinion, just because... This Yahoo uh, likes Christian better. I disagree with that. Couldn't disagree with that more.
0: What would you think of the match?
1: I like the match. I think because <laughs> I like both guys, and I thought that they had a hell of a match. Frankly, Next shit bother me. Not. That bo- what bothers me is that comment. Right? Who the fuck is writing this shit?
0: Ron. Right We know how you feel about Dave Meltzer. How do you feel about Ron Alvarez?
1: Boy, uh, lower than lower than Meltzer. What? Yeah.
0: Huh. I want to guess that.
1: How do you feel about him?
0: Chris Benoit is going to take on Orlando Jordan for the U.S. title, and uh, Brian would write, "Well, if the rest of the show is any indication, Benoit is losing for sure, and I will kill myself." Benoit's had a huge bandage on his back of his neck for like two weeks now, and someone at a house show said it looked like something had been scooped out of his neck. Not sure what the deal was. Anyway, it fell off really early, and sure enough, there's a hole in his neck. Yuck. Benoit beat this young man nearly senseless. He did everything he could, but Orlando sucks. All I could think was, this man is U.S. champion. Why? No one can give me a good answer. I'm not just talking about the guys in the room with me. I'm talking about the world. Cole pointed out that the spinning neck breaker works on the neck. Benoit then hit a big superplex that caused everyone in the room with me to scream and then made his big comeback. He hit the rolling Germans and the headbutt. But Orlando Jordan kicked out of these moves. Come on, dude, seriously. Orlando undid a corner pad, and Benoit bonked into it, leading to the pin. Orlando Jordan pinned Chris fucking Benoit. I cannot believe what I've seen so far. He uh, says <laughs> Oh my gosh. Someone really has a grudge against WCW even in 2005 when it's long since dead and buried and WWE owns all the assets. Fucking idiot. Dipshit. Moron. Stupid ass. Motherfucking bookers.
1: And this, com- this comes from the little indie wannabe guy.
0: Ron Alvarez is the author of this uh, write-up. Yes, sir.
1: Yeah, the little indie wannabe guy.
0: Well, he has a newsletter and a radio
1: show and a subscription. A site. newsletter where he makes up stuff. Yeah. Okay. I'm not even going to respond to it.
0: Well, what do you think of the match and the decision to have Orlando fucking Jordan pin Chris fucking Benoit?
1: I thought that they. I thought Chris got Orlando through a hell of a match. And, you know, Orlando was someone that we were looking to try and do something with. And by doing something with them, you you need them to get over. And Chris was willing to do that. And that was something that that Chris wanted to do. So to the people that don't know, don't understand, and people like um, the little fellow writing it, um, thats yeah. All right. You know I got blood pressure issues right
0: Did it help when I said Fucking idiot dipshit moron Stupid ass motherfucking bookers
1: Oh I thought you were talking about the Fucking idiot dipshit moron Stupid ass dirt sheet writers That make shit up And just lie and get away with it Because for whatever reason they, um, I gotta People tell think you, they have credibility
0: I do see I would have picked Eminem to win the first match They didn't I would have picked Christian to win the second match he didn't. I would have picked Chris Benoit to win the third match. He didn't. Is some of the booking here just thinking it can't? We can't just make it blatantly obvious what we're doing. We've got to give him some sort of surprise. We got to give him reason to come back. Well,
1: God forbid we tell a story. Okay, I'm
0: not. I'm not upset. Don't get hot. It feels like you're about three quarters hot now.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm there. Oh, I'm wait. six eighths hot. Oh shit! Fire.
0: Well, let's talk about Undertaker,
1: Muhammad Hassan. They kill him. He's dead.
0: The character can't be on TV, so of course he's dead. Um There's a hole in the stage. Power bombs him into it. We assume, we hope there's safety mats underneath. We know that the character the man who played the character is not actually deceased. But Lord, his character is. This is the end of Muhammad Hassan. Two and a quarter stars. This is essentially a mercy killing, is it not? I mean we just Can't happen, so adios.
1: Got to do something with them. I mean, is what it is, and write the character off and can't be on TV. Well, you know the rest.
0: Help me understand. Yeah, of course we do. There's a spot in the match where even though the piano wire is what got him in trouble, one of the sympathizers is going to choke out The Undertaker with piano wire even here.
1: Brian would call that. Hey, hang hang on. I'm sorry. I got to take this real quick. Hold on. I'm doing a podcast and blaming you for shit.
0: So we're back at it here. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about one of the sympathizers choking out the Undertaker with said piano wire. This is what got us in trouble. And, and, uh, your boy Brian would write nice one more hearty. Fuck you from Vince McMahon to all of you in the UK who watched this live.
1: Your response. Um, from a ill-informed, unintelligent, um, yeah, I, I, he's an idiot. That's my response. He's an idiot. Next up we've got the, For for those that would even believe that just, just speaks to their stupidity
0: we've got the BWO here taking on the Mexicals BWO come out on big wheels. Um, I guess here, Hollywood Nova and Simon Dean are different people completely. And, uh, yeah, got Simon Dean, the former Simon Dean and, and Hollywood Nova. Uh,
1: yeah, I guess. Yeah, I got nothing. (laughs) Yeah, i got absolutely nothing. Um, look, you can't, you can't bat. What is it? Three, 500 all the time. Or do you bat a thousand? You bat a thousand.
0: If, if, if you're a 300 average, you're first ballot hall of famer, but a thousand's is as good as it gets. It's perfection. And Why okay, it,
1: well, can't bat a thousand all the time.
0: Okay. <sighs> Your boy would write, uh, the Mexicals versus, uh, three cartoons did not work. Simon Dean worked the whole match until Stevie got the hot tag. Hoovey missed a plancha and was selling the right knee. Don't know if that's good or bad. The guys in Mexico do work on the right instead of the left. Meany never even got in the ring before Hoovy pinned Stevie with the Tijuana Jam. A nothing match, really, but at least the right team won. Star and a quarter. Uh, Yeah, Mexicos go over. This is the end of the BWO, and... uh, I guess we're giving the actual signed tag team uh, a win here instead of the one-off BWO.
1: Yep. All right, here we go. Not good, not good. That's one of those where you look at and you kind of look at 15 years later and go, oh. Uh, Ray
0: versus Eddie. This is a hell of a match. It's a little silly. And it's cool that we get to see Dominic now 15 years later. But both of these guys are just so fucking good. If you're going to watch one match on this card, this is it. I absolutely loved their pay-per-view match back in 97. And this is not the same couple of performers. But they give you a different match, and it's tremendous. Now, there are some light let us go Eddie Chance. And uh, Dominic is sitting ringside here looking concerned they're doing the 619 there's lots of near falls multiple suplexes lots of great facial work where eddie's staring at dominic and then ray is gonna lay there dead and eat the frog splash eddie's gonna point to Dominic's sneer and then lay across him for the pin but ray crucifixes him and gets the pin himself pretty cool finish um four stars I really like to make fun of the the story behind this and and criticize it. But Lord, once the bell rang, this is the opposite of when you say, and then the bell rang because here and then the bell rang, these guys were on top of the fucking world.
1: Magnificent, absolutely magnificent. Uh, Ray and Eddie doing what they do best. And that was tearing the house down. Um, And again, the story was excellent. And the fact that people still remember it today speaks to how good it was. And to that, you know, it is, it is what it is. And it is the best match on the card.
0: Next up. We've got Tori
1: it would have been 42 stars in Tokyo dome or oh, arena, Please. The arena, Mexico. What?
0: Not. Tori and Molina are going to be in a broad panty match. Candace, Michelle's the referee what do you think of this?
1: Well, you know, I think that, uh, Tori was probably one of the best female talent that we had from a crossover standpoint and, uh, positively beautiful, um, athletic and, you know, she came from the fitness world, but also just the great positive attitude and, you know, all three, um, you know, Melina, look, she's not the most popular person in the world and she wasn't then, but she busted her ass and they weren't wrestlers. They weren't, uh, trained to be wrestlers from the very beginning. And they all went out and did their part. And it was again, a different time. Not going to see any of that, you know, happening in today's day and time, but it, it was again, when you look back and in a sign of the times, (laughs) it's like looking through some of the stuff from the 1930s and 1940s and you go, Oh my God, how did they do that? Um, Times change and we all learn and we all grow and it's just a sign of the times that as you look back and it was different
0: well i tell you tori takes a hell of a bump on the outside here and brian would even write match was way better than it had any right to be and tori in particular was working her ass off well her hubby did just get fired and she isn't exactly a regular character these days and then i learned the other lesson she was booked to lose of course after the match candace stripped melina down and celebrated with tori and then she stripped down and everyone said yay those are some hot mamas, but I really have no desire to see Candice versus Melina at the pay-per-view. I mean, I guess I understand. You know, you think, hey, well, we need to serve the audience that wants to see scantily clad, beautiful women, but it's, uh, yeah. This is what you would call a let-me-up match, right? I mean, because you don't want anything to follow Ray and Eddie, and you still got a world title match, so let's throw the ladies in there and give them something different,
1: because... It's variety show.
0: Yeah. Let's get to our main event. It's Big Dave Batista taking on JBL for the world title. JBL is going to come to the ring in a motorcade. Tons of confetti falling from the ceiling. And uh, they get plenty of time here. The match is maybe, I don't know, less than awesome. And uh, your man would say, this was like the longest sleeper spot in WWE history. Dave finally fought free and hit a big back suplex. Crowd, however, was still sleeping. When they woke up, they were grumpy. You know, after a show this bad, a great main event was needed, and this was not that great main event. Dave snapped and beat on him in the crowd. Pass said the ref was allowing a lot of leeway because he knew what was at stake. Yep, DQs are coming. Ref takes a bump, and Orlando wallops Dave with a chair shot to the back. The ref wakes up, but Dave kicks out. This is a no-win situation, Craig noted, since the winner has to wrestle The Undertaker. He's got a point there. JBL hit the clothesline from hell, but the ref was busy trying to get his earpiece back in. Really? The crowd is comatose here. Orlando hit the ring again and got dropped to the outside. My God, please end this already. Batista hit the sidewalk slam. Then Orlando hit the ring again. He had a chair, but Dave confiscated it and hit both guys. And, of course, the ref... Woke right up for the DQ. What a poetic ending to this shit fest. They've destroyed both men with chair shots afterwards. Thanks for coming. Please drive safely. Two stars. I don't always love the way Brian writes up matches, and I know you don't.
1: But this was... I don't don't love anything about brian alvarez this was
0: not a great match this was a styles clash is this one of those deals where it looks good on paper but then they just don't mesh or is it we're just over convoluted with the finish we've we've got too much gaga why didn't this work it feels like a really weak ass finish especially following what we just saw with ray and eddie which had sort of a flimsy story and i know you love the story but i didn't but goddamn, the match was so good. And then you get here, and you're like, well, that told a pretty good story. And then the bell rang, as you say, and it's just, I don't know, it was a miss for me. What say you?
1: It wasn't the greatest, and it was a clash of styles, and it just didn't, yeah, it just didn't gel, really. And I think sometimes when you're not going to have it gel, there is a tendency to... Dress it up as much as you can with everything that you can. You, you live and you learn, and that's, that's kind of where we ended up on this. So the, the story was there, but I don't think that um, – they got better. Look, uh, they, they definitely found their rhythm and, and, and found that, that sweet spot with one another. Um, but this one was clearly a little clunky and you could tell it was a feeling out period. So not the best, but I didn't think it was that terrible by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Well, we've got a great show coming up for you next week, but first we're going to get to your questions. I do want to remind you that next week though, we're getting way back in the wayback machine. How about Saturday night's main event? 27. That's when it went down on July 28th, nineteen ninety. Such fun stuff here. It's in Omaha, Nebraska. Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura are on the call. The Ultimate Warrior is going to defend his world title against ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, We've got uh, some cool tribute videos about Hulk's glory days and his injury at the hand of the earthquake. We've got Demolition working with the Rockers for the World Tag Team Championship. We've got Tito Santana working with Mr. Perfect for the WWF Intercontinental Championship we've also got the texas tornado here working with buddy rose that's right playboy buddy rose is here uh, and of course we uh really start cooking with gas with the ultimate warrior and rick Rude and some promos that really sets the pace for SummerSlam and the main event being inside of the big blue steel cage i'm at the height of my fandom bruce i cannot fucking wait to talk about the wwf and saturday night's main event from july of 1990
1: um, Not even knowing that we were going to do this Because you know how I pay attention sometimes Sure, I just watched this the other day And I can't wait to talk about it Rick Rude Oh my god
0: How do you got all this fucking free time Where you're digging through boxes in your basement And watching on Saturday Night's Main Event And multitask Why don't you fucking watch that shit with the sound down And talk about some old wrestling with me You rat soup eating motherfucker how
1: do you know that's not what I'm doing right now? Okay, that's fair.
0: Let's get to some questions here. A Friend of the show Rajiv wants to know why uh, was putting Heidenreich Reich with Animal. I hope that this pairing would bring some pleasure. What was
1: his name? Rajiv. Can you spell it for me?
0: R A J I V. He's one of our big supporters over at adfreeshows.com. I know you oh, paid okay. very little attention there, but
1: I was I was hang on, you. I'm pretty sure you got that right, but I was thinking that that was one of those names that you were trying to Southern pronounce. You're a motherfucker. You know how we do. You know, I, dude. I hey, think... I'm Southern and I do the same thing. All right. I try, I look at it and I think, I know it ain't, it's probably not supposed to sound like this, but I'm just going to say it like it's spelt. And yeah, that'll get you in trouble sometimes. Nothing wrong with it. Be proud to be Southern.
0: A couple questions here was the real reason you put Heidenreich with LOD, that you could get some personality out of Heidenreich. I mean, it really does feel like he's notable for three things. This is not Rajiv, this is me. Uh, Fucking Michael Cole against his will, being a terrible member of another failed reboot of Legion of Doom, and wrestling Doink the Clown at a Golden Corral. The Alabama Doink at a Golden Corral. That's what I know Heidenreich for. What was, I mean, is this more about giving him something to do? Chat me up.
1: Yes, it is. And it was just trying to add a little bit more dimension to him and hopefully give the audience a reason to care.
0: Interesting follow-up, though. Why not just start him here with the shoulder pads and face paint? It's the main part of the Road Warrior LOD presentation. Is it because this was a tribute match and they felt like it wouldn't be the right time or the right, you know, tact?
1: I think more than anything, it was a feeling out process and just same, you know, the same type of thing, man. It's let's see where this goes. Let's see how the audience reacts to it and baby steps.
0: Uh, Ken wants to know what was more regrettable. The Mexicals on lawnmowers or Kerwin whites catchphrase. If it ain't white, it ain't right. Of course, that's when you guys had, I even kind of forgot about that, that uh, Chavo would become uh, like a preppy golfer. You guys are doing some interesting stuff here in this era, to say the least. That's the most polite way to say it, right?
1: Yeah, to say the least. We'll leave it at that.
0: Mayhem wants to know, what does Vince say or how does he respond when he's pressured by a sponsor or a network to do something that he might not agree with? Of course, this is born out of the whole Muhammad Hassan controversy leading into this show. What was Vince's reaction to that then, and would it be different now, do you?
1: Well, I, I just I think that at the time with the network, um, it was bad timing, and it, and it was unfortunate, uh, but you had to make a move. That was, that was something that um, I don't think anybody would have wanted. So you had to make a move, and you adjust.
0: Charlie Thrower wants to know, not complaining at all, but why was Tory Wilson used on both the 04 and 05 promotional poster? Uh, just to catch you up what we're talking about here. The Great American Bash in both 04 and 05 features Tori Wilson. And one of the responses is, well, Vince probably classified her as the all-American girl. Is that it? Vince just thought she had the all-American, or someone in promotions thought,
1: Probably coincidence more than anything, but uh, I think that Tori Wilson would be a great, you know, representation of the great american bash I- anytime so yeah she does look like an all american girl and extremely attractive and why not
0: Brian Wiseman wants to know I know how to get a John Deere riding mower but I haven't yet been able to find a one deer riding mower do you remember where you guys
1: got yours from Yeah riding mowers riding one mower won, Ron, whatever the fuck you said are us it's in the <laughs> phone book
0: Adam Leeson wants to know, how underrated is Joey Mercury? Of course, he's part of the m M&M m tag team. Uh, I, I do think Joey Mercury was one of those guys who was maybe born 10 years too soon. I mean, he was a tremendous wrestler, Bill DeBell.
1: Yes, he was. And, and had he you know been six inches taller, as the saying goes, he, he probably would have had a much different career trajectory. But I think that Joey was one of those talents that could do anything.
0: Here's an interesting question. And, and I don't know that we'll have another chance to fit this in, but it's awfully topical right now. Ross wants to know, you've mentioned that Vince has been a longtime Redskins fans. Do you know if he has an opinion on them changing the name of the team? It just came out as you and I are recording this earlier today, that it's just going to be known as, at least for now the Washington football team.
1: I like that. It's original. I, mean, uh, I, I don't. It. I ha- have not discussed it with him, and God knows. No, I haven't.
0: Paul wants to know with all he's accomplished both in and out of the ring, I have to ask
1: how big's Batista's legacy? Well, Dave's a Hall of Famer. There you go.
0: Carl wants to know audiences change over time, and their tastes do as well. Uh, what match from this card do you feel 15 years later should be rewatched because it holds up the test of time? It's got yeah, to be Eddie and uh, Phil Snowden has a, a, a challenging question for you because I know you're going to struggle to give me a real answer because that's just how you roll. What was Bruce's favorite bra and panties match?
1: The
0: last one. It was time for it to go away.
1: I think it was. Yeah,
0: I mean, I agree. You know, at the time, I don't think anybody really, I didn't really think much of it, but now it will come off like, wait a minute, what are we doing? It's just weird how much all of that has changed. You knew we were going to get a a bunch of these questions. Jonah wants to know, what did Bruce think of Hollywood Nova slash Simon Dean? It's been written that he had an attitude problem. And, of course, we know that he's done some shoot interviews where he was not too polite to you. What did you think of Hollywood Nova and or Simon Dean? Either one of those characters. You don't have to answer you know, about the man.
1: And I'm not. Right? I'm. I'm really not saying this to to be mean or to you know anything else. But I never. I, which it always confused me. I never really had that much interaction with him, one way or the other. So I don't know where his feelings come from. My, mine are indifferent from the standpoint of I didn't. Didn't deal with them enough to really have an opinion.
0: Tons of questions like this. This one from Troy. He says, WCW had some great, well-known pay-per-view brand names. Obviously, Great American Bash was one of them. But with that same name recognition, why haven't we seen more? Starcade? perhaps the best known, was only really used for house shows. And we've never seen a Slamboree or a Halloween Havoc. Do you know if there was ever a push for a Halloween Havoc? to bring that brand back because it was one of the marquee events for WCW.
1: Well, i tell you, th- this is, this is crazy, but one of the suggestions early on for an October event was a Halloween event and one of the names and you're, I'm going back to before, before we had like monthly pay-per-views and, and things of that nature was to do a Halloween show. One of the names was Halloween Havoc. Um, that always just struck me funny that WCW ended up doing it a few years after that. But this was this had to be the the second. No, it had to be the third. It had to be the third Survivor series where we're talking about what other things you know can we do pay-per-views around and Halloween was one of them because it was a looking at a weekend, not doing it on Halloween night. No, because you, that'd be horrible and not good to do. But what if we did it the weekend of, and you had a, uh, for example, Halloween being the Friday and you, you had it the Sunday before type thing, uh, Halloween havoc. But I, think it was a great name and just I don't know for whatever reason never really did it Halloween doesn't translate worldwide and it's uh that's interesting great American bash doesn't translate worldwide
0: that's a great point
1: so you know those those names are something that you have you have to consider that when you're looking at you know global territory and being able to uh Look at what you, you, know, what you can sell. You can't sell a great American bash all over the world and you can't sell a Halloween habit cause they don't know what it is. So that's, you know, I know for Halloween, that was it. Great American bash. Hey, we've done, and we've done them around, tried to do them around 4th of July and things like that. But it, the reason it hasn't stuck is because it's a tough sell globally.
0: Well, that's great insight and that's going to get clicks everywhere. So. Uh, everybody, gotta link the podcast when that goes viral. Uh, Evaldo wants to know: Can Bruce confirm if the original plan for Hassan was for him to go overtake her and beat Batista at SummerSlam? I've always heard that rumor over the years, and and I think the person, Mark, the person behind the character Muhammad Hassan, has laid out that that's what he believed was going to happen too. He would beat the Undertaker and then win the world title at SummerSlam and have a run as a heel champion, get some more heat, have babies chasing. I mean. That's old school wrestling. Do you remember that being a a preliminary idea?
1: I remember having talks of, hey, what could happen? But no, not this is definitely what's going to happen. No.
0: It's it's such a fascinating character. I hope that that folks go check it out and, and listen to our old episode about him. Uh, Harry wants to know, was there ever a discussion about JBL possibly winning against Batista, or do they think it would be too soon to take the belt off of him? Too soon.
1: Way too soon.
0: Uh, Gurnick wants to know, why was Muhammad Hassan not just moved back to Raw? If UPN wouldn't allow him on their station, You still had the opportunity for USA, or did Vince ultimately think that the heat was too great and it was best to just do away?
1: I think that stink would have stayed on him.
0: Rory wants to know, was there ever any thought to uh, bringing back Paul Ellering to manage the quote unquote new Legion of doom?
1: That would be no.
0: What about that fucking puppet?
1: Why didn't y'all get that? Hey Rocco, Rocco was over.
0: Can you believe that they're making a Paul Ellering action figure right now with a Rocco dummy?
1: And it will sell like crazy. I'm sure.
0: Dude, I mean, I, kind of, I don't even collect action figures, but I kind of want that shit just to put on my shelf. Who doesn't? No, no one will know what it is. It's, tremendous.
1: it's not true. Everybody knows Rocco.
0: Taryn wants to know, where in the world did John Bradshaw Layfield get that American outfit?
1: In American Outfits are Us.
0: Boy, I like when you just... You know, I don't even have to have you for the show anymore at this point. What I can do is I can just have sound bites. And I can have like a,
1: and then you can like hear, hear me saying like American outfits are us. And you put that shit together. It'll be like fucking magic. It's possible.
0: And I'll be honest. It's magic that we got this show done in time with all that you got going on. We appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to make it happen. We're working hard to entertain you guys. Hope you're digging what we're doing. We're uh, also going to be cranking out some bonus content for you. You can get shows like this, early and ad-free over at adfreeshows.com. Uh, coming up, we plan to watch some old-school global. We've got a bonus show with Jacques Rougeau, and, of course, a bonus episode on Miss Elizabeth. Uh, stay tuned. We've also got SummerSlam 1992 and the Texas Tornado. So much great exclusive content coming to adfreeshows.com. But next week, you'll get that very special, at least to me, July 28, 1990, Saturday night's main event, I love The Ultimate Warrior working with Rick Rude. I love SummerSlam 1990. A little tribute video to Hulk Hogan. I'm at the height of my fandom. I hope you're as excited as I am. Uh, You can hear that show early and ad-free over at adfreeshows.com. If you've got a question about that show, you can ask it right now. At Pritchard Show on Twitter. He is at Bruce Pritchard and I am at it's Conrad, And we are out of time. Until next week, we'll see you right here on Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard.
1: Rock on.
0: Hey, just wanted to give you a heads up. You're wasting money on your single biggest expense, and you might not even realize it just ask Brandon in Texas SaveWithConrad.com. with Conrad.com. Just hooked him up. He left us a five-star review and here's what he had to say. This whole refinance process has been super easy. It's been entirely stress-free. I had a good interest rate beforehand and no real need to refinance, but I finally looked into it after hearing Conrad's ads. Turns out they were able to cut five years of payments, saving me about $50,000. Man, Brandon saved 50 grand, and he thought he had a great deal. How much can you save? Find out right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket, and we're licensed in more than 40 states, so we can help more families than ever before at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender, Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? At SaveWithConrad.com.
1: John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together,